Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story is all yours, Binkley. Okay, I told you yesterday about the Aspen Institute's information disorder report that they released where they make these policy recommendations about how to stop the horrible, dangerous mis- and disinformation that's spreading on social media and causing real harm and how Prince Harry is part of their commission among other propagandists. Well, today, yesterday we focused more on how to prevent the, prevent the harm. Today I'm going to tell you one of their how to rebuild trust in institution recommendations. And they attach these recommendations to funding. So they suggest the type of federal funding that should be used along with this recommendation spread across the locales and across the country. And this stuff is being played out right now. We're seeing this. Can, can I just say, there's, there's, first of all, it's wrong of them to use our money to do that. They use our own money to censor us. But the more stuff that the government takes control of, the more they control. I mean, you just see it around you. Like they, if you don't comply with their globalist policies, they cut your city off and you've become dependent on it. It's not cool. And these recommendations we had asked yesterday about the global nature of them, and there is a global nature of them, but these are specific recommendations to the United States. My question is, why is Prince Harry on a commission making recommendations about federal funding and policy to the United States. It's weird. He married the American. They literally gave up their position so that they could have gainful employment, which I'm sure was a ploy in itself, just so that they could like be in movies and stuff and make it not look like their public service announcements because they have to get paid to make it look like, oh, we're not propagandizing you. This is a movie that the people want. It's, this is a pull, not a push. Yeah, exactly. And then he's, but clearly he's, He's their man on the scene. It's crazy. Totally. So here are the accountability norms. They recommend setting accountability norms. This is to rebuild trust. And they say that they call on community, corporate, professional, and political leaders to promote new norms that create personal and professional consequences within their communities and networks for individuals who willfully violate the public trust and use their privilege to harm the public. Public trust? Wait, who are the people that are targeted by this? By the, ca- the accountability that. that sentence, like, yeah. Who, who are they holding accountable? People who have the public trust? Like elected officials? They're calling on the community, corporate leaders, professional leaders, political leaders, anybody in leadership positions to create norms that hold accountable anybody in their communities who violate the public trust. But public trust is when someone isn't gets the public trust like do we have the public trust no but we would it's almost there's a a word it's a good word tautology where something is what it is by definition so like it doesn't make sense so they could say like bill cosby like you're considered a political person because you talked about politics so you don't get first amendment rights it's like well that doesn't work because it's there to protect somebody so my guess is if you do anything they don't like they're going to say you had and lost the public trust because you had the influence over the public and therefore like they tried to make that maga hat kid a public figure yes and he was like but i'm only a public figure because you defamed me publicly 
Yes, they clarify and they give an example, and oh, it great. is kind of in that uh, in that realm. They say that this recommendation asks leaders, journalists, and advertisers to commit to adopting new norms that prioritize fact-based communication and avoid repeating falsehoods, especially in the sphere in which disinformation can cause immediate and substantial harms, such as threats to public health or undermining elections. So if you question the election, you are threatening the public. So are we journalists? Are we leaders? What are we? I mean, you could say that. If Bill Cosby was considered a political figure and therefore not protected by the First Amendment, which is the exact opposite, he was a private figure speaking publicly on political issues, then we would clearly be, because this went hand in hand yesterday with, with the censoring podcasters, in my opinion, and with your CFR deep dive. And also with that on journalists. that doctor who was trying to get the ivermectin to her patient who was being censored because she was talking about ivermectin on social media. So she was suspended from her job. That's a public that's a consequence for what they say is public harm. And they right. give two real world examples of this in action. One of the examples is several prominent medical associations stepped forward and called for consequences for accredited board certified medical professionals that recommend unproven or unsafe therapies for profit or political motivations. And that's Kind of what we saw yesterday with that doctor story being suspended from the hospital for recommending ivermectin. And then the other one is the Philadelphia Inquirer reporting on the results of a partisan effort designed to undermine the Pennsylvania election results, refused to call it an audit and publish their reasons so that readers could understand. So if you question the election, if you recommend or talk about ivermectin, then you fall into this category, somebody that they recommend being punished. And and here's another kind of, uh, not irony, but I guess maybe a more tautology is that if you are on social media, you everybody's a star, right? Facebook, everything is about like this narcissism. Everybody's a star. Everybody has a platform. So everybody's an influencer. Everyone's a journalist. Anyone who has influence, if your message gets off the page into anybody's brain, you... This is just canceling private people. I mean, it's, it acts like it's not, but it definitely will be. And a doctor is not someone with the public trust. It's just a job. Yeah, they frame everything in that stakeholder capitalism way where you have to be liable to your stakeholders and your ESG standards for the Great Reset oh. so they can classify anybody in that way. Wait till the last big story of the Free 30. Oh, I can't wait. So this also, another thing that, that I, I noticed about the this whole censorship machine that's coming down is this Facebook turns into Meta, whatever, and all the whistleblower stuff that came out against Facebook and that chick who clearly Haugen or however you pronounce her name, she was definitely setting something up for policy changes. And I read an article and I've really been trying to figure out why the AGs, the attorneys general in the country, in the different states, sue Facebook. I mean, even in Europe, they sued, and I knew immediately they were suing them for uh, big data and, like, that the people weren't being told that they that their data was being absorbed. So now you have all those websites you have to always hit accept, always hit accept. There's different ways that can 
work in the favor of the big guys. One is if it's a burden to the little guys. The other is that it actually, then you have no recourse whatsoever because even if you're not reading it, you literally actively hit accept and you don't necessarily know, know what it means. But previous to that, you could have just looked at it normally like, Hey, I'm just, I'm just reading the newspaper here. You don't need to collect my stuff. So I always see something hiding behind the rocks when anyone is searching for more or lobbying for more regulation. And here was one thing. Ohio sues, this is a headline, Ohio sues Meta over Facebook assertions on how it controlled its algorithm and its impact on children. So it sounds like the AGs of Ohio sued Meta, previously Facebook, because of what they were doing to children. But actually, the AG was suing on behalf of of the investment firms that or the investment entities that had like public retirement accounts and stuff who invested in Facebook and made money hand over fist, as I'm sure you know, because, or they must have, because we've seen Facebook do nothing but go up really in any kind of time frame that these guys would be holding it. But they said that it was their fiduciary duty, not because of the financial implications or maybe because they take risk later, but because they lied to their investors about how well they were husbanding their products in the face of kids using them and and all that. They said that Facebook misled them about the harm that was being done to young people by Instagram and the other products. And the kicker, of course, was at the bottom of the paragraph of the end of the article where it said Facebook had been building a 13 and under Instagram, but this AG and 43 other AGs uh, on under a different lawsuit urged them to abandon the plan, citing behavioral and privacy concerns. And from a personal point of view, when I tried desperately to get some kind of feature out of YouTube for my son who has Down syndrome, who just, he, 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 as an age, for his age, he should be, be able to watch anything, but I can't have him watch just anything. So I went through a lot, a lot of trouble to try to find a, a system, a service I would pay for that would screen the YouTube videos. And the, and the services came back one after another. There's only so much we can do because YouTube doesn't allow the curation, third party curation. And YouTube offers a kid's channel, but it's only like eight years old and under. So my son won't watch it. So I have to watch him watch YouTube or he can't watch it at all. And just before you tell me, oh, that's the way it should be, send me somebody who will <laughs> entertain him for eight hours and not have him run away or tear the house down. So so I was desperate for something that was targeted at 13 and under. And they so it is plays right into their hands to not allow them to make a safe space or whatever. I hate that expression to make a space for that. And you could cite this wall street journal expose of Facebook. They hit them coming and going. And one of the things they said was we posed as 13 year olds and ended up just by trying. So they did try, but they ended up getting like porny kind of stuff in their feed on TikTok. I think it was, or maybe it was Facebook or Insta, but I think it was TikTok. And the, and the creator said, we don't want to be in their feeds. This is your, by what you're doing and the algorithm is responding to you, but we don't want to be there. Don't blame us. And again, I thought, well, if it had been a TikTok for 13 and under those creators wouldn't even be there. Or if it was Insta for 1300, those creators wouldn't even be there. And if they were, you could weed them out. You could highlight it. So I see, I continue to see these kind of things as ultimately playing in the hands of the big guys and what they want to do, which is, I think, drive our kids crazy.
Yeah, and they're definitely driving our, our kids crazy. And I find it hard to believe that these guys who are filing the lawsuit, or gals, were misled about the harm that could be done. Nobody's misled about it. Everybody understood that for a long time now. Yeah, it's outrageous. So on the one hand, they're really trying to censor. And this this drives me crazy. Like, I've been taken down. I've been taken down for stuff for a re- like uh, on my YouTube channel, that WSB show we did hitting Sheriff Israel, uh, an elected official, which was something that was broadcast on the radio, was taken down off my YouTube channel. But I will see really inappropriate stuff coming from my kids. So on the one hand, this is all about extreme censorship. But on the other hand, they jam this stuff into their heads that has a really fundamentally deleterious impact. And then the stuff they are censoring includes like those 20,000 Facebook videos or whatever it was that came out of January 6th, which we saw dozens of them. The every single one I saw was totally peaceful. I don't believe any of the ones that show the other stuff yet. They've, they use this machine to truly chill. What would help us understand how they subverted a genuine political process on that day. And they are, they're showing scalps by getting these guys like today the judge sentenced the QAnon shaman to over three years in prison no 41, way 41 months to be precise for his role in the January 6th incident as I call it he he pled guilty back in September to a single count of felony obstruction and official proceeding he they didn't say he did anything violent. They didn't say he hurt anybody. They say that he incited and in handing down the sentence. Listen to what the judge said and handing down the sentence. This is a U.S. District Court Judge Royce C. Lambert. He said, what you did was horrific, obstructing the functioning of the government. What you did was terrible. You made yourself the epitome of the riot. And the <laughs> shaman, Jacob Chansley, He spoke before the sentencing, admitting he was wrong, saying his behavior was indefensible, but insisting that he's not a violent criminal. He said, I'm not violent. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm truly, uh, I I repented. And he said he suffers from a personality disorder and is on the autism spectrum. So they made it about mental health. One of the prosecutors, the prosecutors are basically punishing for this, prosecutors and the judge, is during the um, sentencing, they listed some of the things that he did. They said that he posted uh, vitriol. Uh, in his messages on social media, encouraging thousands of followers to expose corrupt politicians, to ID the traitors in the government, and to halt their agenda, to stop the steal and end the deep state. So they're punishing this guy for posting on social media in a pro-Trump QAnon way. This, to me, reminds me of what we talked about a moment ago, how they're trying to create consequences for people who contribute misinformation to the di- to the information disorder problem they're talking about. And this guy, other than also saying what you post is why we're punishing you, they're saying that he's mentally ill because he supported Trump. Again, like that's just because they don't like what you're doing, you are a criminal, a terrorist, crazy an influencer it's misinformation if it disagrees with them i mean the subjectivism this is the problem with subjectivism which has always been a feature of the left and kind of a funny line in this article the the prosecutors said that or no his lawyers said that his client's bizarre appearance and behavior were indicators of his mental health problems to which i would say everybody at the women's march 
has mental health problems then because they're wearing giant six-foot-tall vagina costumes and walking around holding their children's hand if this is how we're judging mental health problems. Yeah, I agree with you totally. It's it's, But but with this guy, he was so fishy. Like, he has, like, a paparazzi following and everything already. And the whole thing was fishy because what they did was they interrupted the flow of questioning the certification. They didn't up, uh, interrupt the flow of certifying. He helped them. This guy helped them get what they want. By interrupting yeah, it, and now gave, he's getting 50, They gave Mitch McConnell and Kelly Leffler cover to sell out by the end of the first day. They didn't even get to Georgia when she sold out. I yeah. mean, they eventually got to Georgia, but she was already ready to go. They never finished it. Regardless, this is a way to kind of show people, be careful what you say on social media or where you go, because you could end up three and a half years in prison if you happen to be at the wrong well, false flag, whatever you want to call that- it. Isn't that the whole point? Isn't the whole point to tell you not to, to voluntarily relinquish your First Amendment rights? Absolutely. So Amazon, which has been at the center of a little bit of a controversy in California surrounding notification about which employees have tested positive for coronavirus, they have reached a settlement with the state of California to resolve claims that it concealed from warehouse workers and local health agencies the number of workers that have been infected with COVID-19. California had accused them of violating a new law that was enacted in September of 2020 called the Right to Know Law that requires companies keep it keep its workers up to date on the spread of COVID-19 and provide information about their safety plans and, and coronavirus-related benefits to the government and to their employees. And The AG said that the state was left unable to effectively track the spread of the virus because they did not properly do this. So under the settlement, they've agreed to alert their California warehouse workers within one day about the exact number of new COVID-19 cases in their workplace and to notify health agencies of new virus cases within 48 hours. And they will issue more adequate self-safety and disinfection plans to their employees. And they also are going to be required to allow the government to monitor their virus notifications for a year and pay half a million dollars. And this all stemmed, this investigation stemmed from an employee reporting them because of their problematic uh, health, health-related rules around COVID-19. So we talked about OSHA asking employees to tell on their employers. This is what this whole lawsuit stemmed on, is an employee telling on their employer. Well, so they say. Yeah. But so I have a couple of things on that. And then I have, a, I have a little tidbit story to tack on to this. First of all, so they didn't have to they don't have to tell each other about HIV, syphilis, the flu, colds, <laughs> anything that has like a similar or worse death rate. Right. Yeah. So that doesn't make sense. I we have a common law system where you go through. You have case law of actual situations, and that's how you tease out whose rights are whose. And then if that fact pattern with a competent jurist and a ruling matches your situation, that's like how the case is decided. That's what precedent is. If it's a terrible ruling, it usually will get overturned at a higher court or whatever, but it's I like it. It's a good system. And tort law a similar kind of case-by-case thing, so you don't have to have statutes ahead of time defining a priori everybody's behavior every step of the way. We have a system where in order to collect, you have to prove that you have been damaged. That's why Garland has 
problems. He's got to prove that he's been damaged. He obviously has been damaged. We've all been damaged. He can have a class action suit of 85 million people, you know, not against the state of Georgia, but but you the you have to really prove that you have da- been damaged in order to recover. So they couldn't do it that way. We, we are abandoning our fundamental principles of law and putting in these statutes under the guise of health and safety regulations, which in themselves really should not have the force of law because usually it's the executive branch imposing legislative structure. So it's a violation of everything. And if it's OSHA, that violates the 10th Amendment, too, because that's the federal. All our checks and balances are violated by this kind of stuff. Uh, also, too much disinfectant is not good for you. And I don't believe for a second that that person, well, maybe that person complained because I do believe that that people get provoked. So they get like it's people out here are absolutely out of their effing mind. An entrepreneur, maybe. Yeah, it could be a plant, but people are crazy here. I mean, I cannot tell you, people are mean to you. Not, it has nothing to do with science. You are literally anything like this. They worry that there's some Trump supporter that they need to root out of their organization. It's crazy. But I will also say the labor unions are, if you didn't think that they were there, just like the press is there to cover up the truth of the news, the labor unions are there to serve whomever, but not actual labor. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal yesterday, labor groups urge stricter vaccine mandates. So, and this is really interesting because they say that workers at companies that have under 100 people are exposed to something that that OSHA considers intolerable for people, for workers over 100. Someone, real nice gals, um, patrons I know in, out of North Carolina, one of them sent me a Fifth Circuit opinion a couple of days ago where they stayed the mandate, Biden's mandate, the OSHA mandate, because they said uh, a bunch of things that sounded very, very promising. But the last thing they said, and, you know, I did have a little like, hmm, this could go the other way. It said the mandate's both overly broad and that it puts every business in um, this kind of financial peril by every business with over 100 in financial peril or whatever for imposing this mandate on them, making them uh, implement it. But it also is underbroad in that if it is such a major risk, then all the companies that have under 100 people are exposing their people to it. So I felt like that opened a little door. The rest of the opinion looked good to me. I would have to read it again to be absolutely sure. But that little thing opened a little door. And when I saw the labor union leave it there, that was interesting. And in the XR, I'm going to read you a little piece of the Alhambra decree. Bet you don't even know what that is. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. It's an, it's an oldie and a baddie, but it reminds me of today. Very interesting. Yeah. There's states that have sued to freeze the mandate, the OSHA mandate. But there's also lawsuits that have sued because they feel the mandate is not strict enough and they want it to apply to. That's what I'm talking about. As well. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, before we get to our last big story of the Free 30, which is going to be about what do you get when you cross the deep state with the globalist cabal? Maybe the next Fed chair. I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the XR, which is how a popular band's virtue signal leaves fans befuddled and Biden and Xi 
cover the bases, but with a very alarming last word. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show, Learny. That's Learn with an I-E. Learny is the all-new free mobile app that allows you to easily create and share knowledge of any subject, sports, health, economics, cooking, growing food, exercise, how to build or repair something, pretty much anything you can think of, even blockchain. Learny uses sophisticated micro-learning technology that enables you to create and consume micro-lessons on the fly. Learny is kind of like TikTok. It's like the TikTok of learning is kind of the way I would describe it. And it is all about your freedom to share knowledge. In fact, along with making a learning of your own, you can also collaborate with others by adding insights and ideas to an already existing learning. Learning also offers private and secure micro-learning, micro-learning cohorts for businesses, organizations, and communities. These custom training spaces allow anyone to create a private school training program or shared learning environment with analytics, branding, and more. So use the promo code Monica Perez and get a 15% off discount on Learny for Enterprise. And we're asking all of our listeners to download Learny for free in the App Store or your Google Play Store. And if you're feeling it, create a free Learny and send it to Monica and I, and we will learn from you. I may, uh, it may be case sensitive, that promo code, which I did not personally request, although obviously it was <laughs> uh, aimed at me. Capital M, capital P, Monica Perez, one word, capital M, capital P, I think is the promo code. But I would like to see some people's learnings if anybody wants to do it. I bet there's some people out there who are good at this kind of thing, and this will be a platform that they will use people who listen to us. Maybe we'll put it in the show notes or repost it. Yes, the very cool idea. So, Check them out, mylearny.com, L-E-A-R-N-I-E. And of course, if you love the show, you should support our sponsors who love us and also support us. So we have numerous ways that you can listen to more content, including every day, this DNB, the free 30, is 30 minutes of News of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice with a little bit of this ad stuff in there. If you don't want the ads and you want more content, we have a 50-minute ad-free DNB XR, which you can get at the basic level of Truth Sponge on Patreon. That's $7 a month. And you not only get that daily stuff, that daily show, but you also get early releases, patron-only Q&As. People have asked us. We do a one-hour interview two or three times a month. With different people, people, some folks have asked us to make it longer. So we are, we just did our first kind of, uh, interview XR on Friday. We did an interview with the everybody's favorite new podcast, Generation Z, and then we had a little bonus material. So there's just a lot of stuff I can't cover it all now, but check out patreon.com slash propaganda report. And with that, on to the last big story of the free 30. You ready, Brad? Yes, I am. <laughs> you know, we do nod at each other a lot, but sometimes you just have to say it out loud for a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I just want to tell you about, I was, I was, like I told you, I was trapped on a plane yesterday and it was delayed for three and a half hours. I had like 10 hours to read the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. That sounds I read fun. Every, well, it's really fun with a, with a kid who has Down syndrome and really at a certain point, and he's big, he's a big kid. 
just starts to lose his patience. And anyway, it's, uh, it was fine. It was fine. Thank God. But boy, did I read the crap out of those newspapers. I bet. And <laughs> one of the things was just a short article that the headline was Biden weighs Powell Brainard to, to run Fed. So this Lael Brainard is a Fed governor. She's one of the people who's up for the job. Her name and is Brainard? Her last name is Brainard. B-R-A-I-N-A-R-D. It's probably Brainard. Yeah, Brainy. It's more interesting than that, even, in that her backstory is not just Brainy, it's globally and deep statey. <laughs> So she, so I didn't even want to read the article because who cares, right? Like the Fed is the Fed. They're going to do what they're told from on high. But sometimes you get somebody who's really, really good at implementing deep state plans. And I feel like when you've got a person like that, like Hillary, it's a little scarier because they're not even going for the face job and just plug this guy in anywhere. He'll be, he'll do what we're told, you know, Woodrow Wilson and maybe a Powell guy, Powell didn't do what he previously was kind of known for probably as a bait and switch under the Trump era, but he ended up doing exactly what everybody else would do. But this chick goes a little bit deeper. She, or actually maybe Powell has a history like this. I, I don't recall it, but she is an economist who joined the Fed in 2014 after working in the Obama Treasury Department and the Clinton White House on international economic issues. That's how the Wall Street Journal put it. So I'm like, hmm. That sounds like a chick with some real deep state stuff because she's not that old and plugged high into the ad- administrations and stuff. You want to kind of look at the backstory there. Um, one of the features in the article about a position that she took that was kind of aggressive, there were two things that were noteworthy about what direction the Fed would go in to the extent there can be more or less of it. Digital currency was one of the subtitles that said, among the six sitting Fed governors, Ms. Brainerd has spoken the most enthusiastically about the central bank adopting a digital dollar while raising warnings about the risks of unregulated private digital money. So she wants to regulate Bitcoin and she wants to make the digi dollar. She also is not a fan of raising interest rates in the face of inflation. So that means you get more inflation and you get asset bubbles. So while we were led to believe that bond buying would be pulled back, and I think it probably is going to be, or at least flattened out, whatever, she would put her foot on the gas probably. So you get more stock growth, asset growth, but it's inflation. So it hurts you. Again, if you're not a guy who owns assets, you're a guy who owns wage, gets wages and buys stuff with that, your wages are sticky. Your wages are not going to keep pace with the inflation of the stuff you buy. So I don't like that kind of thing at all. It's painful to put the brakes on, but she ain't going to do it anyway. So then I just dug in a little bit to her story. She has kind of a, like her youth was, um, she was, grew up, I think in Germany. She was the daughter of a foreign service officer and diplomat, Alfred Brainerd. And she grew up in West Germany and later in Poland during the periods of the revolution in Poland of 1989 and the fall of the Berlin Wall. So she's got some backstory there. I'm sure that guy knows where the bodies are buried for sure. And then I'm just going to rattle off uh, her some little things that I, I thought were interesting about her bio. First of all, she's got public-private stuff written all over her stuff. Like, it, I don't didn't see actual World Economic Forum, but she wrote paper like, 
public-private cooperation on climate change, on poverty, all this stuff. Straight, I mean, that is the fascist globalism that the World Economic Forum wants to deliver to us. That is what all these ESG standards, that's these really big guys, I hate the word monopolist because I don't think there are such things as monopolies that aren't imposed by force, but these guys are basically monopoly size players in each industry who want to put up so many regulatory barriers to entry that you're either one of that extreme tiny portion of the elite or you are a worker bee or you're a useless eater and you're probably going to get your ovary spiked. But that's the story for another time. <laughs> anyway, she also, yeah, so she does climate, she does poverty. She was at the Brookings Institution. She was at the CFR. She was at McKinsey. And one thing that's on her resume that I don't like, and people do think they, that this is a good thing, I, it's called micro-enterprise in West Africa. And to the extent that is taking really poor people in highly corrupt countries and giving them debt to start an entrepreneurial venture, I puke on that. I puke on that. If you want to help them, take the interest you're making on all the other crap and all the assets you've seized when people can't pay you back and just give it to them. I'd rather you just give it to them. Debt is a terrible, terrible burden. And I've heard in some of those places, it's really hard to get through all the regulatory red tape to get your thing off the ground. This could be a plot. At this stage, I'm so cynical. This could literally be a plot to keep the poor poor. I mean, I don't like it. She's, I, I, I'm not a fan. I, I mean, no Fed chair is going to bring my bell, though. Well, yeah, you said that she worked in international economic issues and she has focused on the digital currency. We had the story yesterday about Barbados opening the first embassy in the metaverse legally that will operate by international laws, however that works, and that they were talking about establishing that central bank for cryptocurrencies within the metaverse, which I think would be international. And I wonder what her experience working with companies like Facebook and stuff is. Well, uh, I, she has a lot of experience. I didn't cover it all. She's young on the young side. So she could be someone that you could grow with like that's why they put a supreme court justice in there they're younger you know they get younger and younger because like hey we want this person to live 50 years we don't care if they're totally unqualified as long as they pass the <laughs> test of how well we can influence them but she definitely has the ideological box checked and if she doesn't have the tech box they give her a whole staff of people who could help her regulate the metaverse you're right she has international she has economic she's interested in the digital currency and she wants to mess with crypto so Anyway, we can talk more about that in the XR. I want to shout out a couple of other people who, so I've been going to meetups and talking to people. If you want to do a meetup or if you have someplace you want to go and you want to send me a, a shout out to read for you where you're going to be, I'll send you a t-shirt so that Propaganda Report listeners near you can make that physical connection. Uh, I really think that the power is there. That's what white pills me. So I'm happy to make that little bit of a contribution. And a couple of people who came out to meet me recently, James and Spencer, it, they went beyond the call of duty. Excellent, excellent time. Love to see them and really appreciate their support. And just sometimes you just got to be there. That's what my mother always says. And those guys are always there. Fantastic. Well, you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. 
If you want access to that extra content that Monica was telling you about, go to patreon.com slash report. Check out the tiers and join up there. We will talk to y'all tomorrow or in the DNB XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.